I am Bono Ansley, an active real estate agent and founder of Ansley Real Estate, Christie's International, an award-winning Atlanta-based real estate brokerage that did over $3 billion in sales last year. And I'm Chris Tuff, one of the first advertisers to work directly with Mark Zuckerberg in 2006. I've since gone on to be the best-selling author of The Millennial Whisper and Save Your Asks. And, and this, this is Brokering Billions. Billions. This podcast is about uncovering the hustle, perseverance, mindset, and tricks that are used by the top real estate agents in the country to help you take your business to the next level. How do you break the gap and go from, you know, a good agent to a great agent, right? And then keep going up from there. Was there a time, Holly, that you remember where you were just kind of coasting along and, 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 and doing the same amount year over year. And you kind of said, God, I need to really change something in my team structure or in my business to really start taking it to the next level. And then from that, it just kept feeding itself. Right. That's such a good question. Coasting. I wouldn't use that word coasting because in New York city, someone will run you over to coast, but yes, I was working and selling the same price range and I really had to get under my own hood because I started seeing that I, as we all are, um, I was at that moment being my own worst enemy. And I realized that there was this connection to value. I wasn't valuing myself enough. Mm. There was some sort of punishment in there that in my mind that was saying, you don't deserve that. You don't, it, you know, it, it was some complicated stuff. And until I started really truly valuing myself and saying, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm. You do deserve this. You are awesome. I had to be, you know, as I say in my book, I had to be my own best friend and I had to marry myself. And I had to get, you know, I'm so good at championing everyone else. I am the number one cheerleader for my clients, but I needed to be the number one cheerleader for me. I needed to be my own best advocate. So, so let's, let's talk more about your book, Holly. And, and for listeners out there, right back in the market, Realtor's Guide to Love and Life out of, I'm going to make you pick your favorite part of the book, right? In terms of the application for those listening, which is your favorite thing to bring up in interviews like this that you feel like people can start walk that they can walk away and apply to either their life or their job in real estate? Well, I think it was that connection. You know, I had um, for those that didn't read the book, I had a I went through a divorce that I was was you know really sad about. And I lost a 20-year best friend, which I also was devastated about. You know, I, I chose both of these people for my soulmates forever, and that that wasn't in the cards. So one, I relate that journey to to real estate, but it was that aha moment where it's kind of just what I said. I stopped feeling and searching for that other person to complete me. And I started being my own best friend and my own advocate. And I I'm I'm one hell of an advocate. So if you have me behind you, your life is going to change for the better. I mean, it's like 
and that it's a hurricane is kind of a, a negative term, but it's a hurricane in a good way. Right. I but love I can it. lift yeah. you up and people, I see it. I see it in, in the people that I back. I, I, hurricane, Holly. It's hurricane, hurricane Holly. Hurricane Holly. I do. I, it's a game changer, but I hadn't done it for myself. And in the book, I bring you on this journey and all of a sudden it clicks that that's the person that was missing was me. Mm. I need, I was the person I'd always been waiting for. That's I just said that on Mother's Day. It really is. That's profound. Holly, what I loved about your book was it was really clear to me when you started talking about the clients and everybody's looking for something right? It's the ego buyer or whatever. Can you kind of speak to that part of the book? Um, it was it was incredible how you related to every buyer you had and then being able to find that buyer, the correct, you know, property for that buyer. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing for me. That's what I absolutely love about this job because it is being a, a life coach, a psychologist, and then being in the place where they're not sitting with me and leaving my office and, and it's not up to them to fix their life. I'm actually in a position where I can see what's missing and go fix it for them, right? And be very hands-on about it. So some people have um, come to me when they've lost their spouse um, you know, through sickness and, and that's so devastating. And some people have, have been divorced and they're moving back into the city. Um, so they're, they're looking for more than a home. They're looking for this, this new life. Mm-hmm. And so it's more about these four walls and a ceiling. It's well, where in the city is, is this person, like, what are their passions and what can I, who can I connect them to and what is nearby where this is really going to become the, the stepping stones to get them this new life that they're, they're telling me that they want. Right. And I can help get there. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to write the book is because, you know, that next step of finding that thing, is it a person? Is it a career? Is it a place? Um, Just, taking my reader through that. And when we can really connect to ourselves, all of that becomes a lot more clear. Let's talk about the power of people. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's backing up a little bit to kind of give you a little background on my relationship with Gary Keller. It's uh, I, I, I give my parents, you know, credit first and then people like Gary Keller Second, because they poured so much into me, even like your dad, you'll listen to me talk about you know my career. And it's, it's usually not about myself. It's about how other people influence me. And I think it's super important for anybody listening, really pay careful attention to who you take advice from and pay attention to who you hang around with, because, you know, all that stuff matters and it, it influences you and whoever you want to be like, try to surround yourself around. People. And then sometimes you have to kind of prune your relationships because if things are toxic on you, you kind of, you have to. You have to part ways. And it's some people look at that like, God, it seems a little harsh, Mark. It's like, well, it is. It depends on what kind of life you want to have. I mean, it's uh, you have limited time and, and limited time on this earth. It's like you better just choose your relationships wisely. And so back to Gary, it's it's oh, yeah. it's he just poured so much into there were like there's like about there were there, there's a group of us and 
I don't know if it was actually called the Eagles, but it was it was a very small group. You know, we had this mastermind group of 100 people, and, and he kind of narrowed it down to like 10 or 12 of us. And for a while, he would have us to his office, sometimes once a month, sometimes once a quarter. And it was interesting because he would have more staffers in there than we than, than us agents or team leaders. And he it was just like a research project. But he really poured into us and just helped me understand, you know, a couple of things, a couple of key nuggets, uh, statements I'll say is number one is I had to realize bigger doesn't mean it's more complicated. And so for me, is like I, what drives me is not money. Money is important to me or financial freedom. And, and, and the reason it's money because money is freedom. So my number one driver and in, in, in my motivation in life is freedom. I can't stand accountability. I can't stand a bunch of time clock. I, you know, if you tried to play golf with me two weeks from now, I couldn't even book the tee time because I'm like, look, I don't know what I'm doing a week from now. And it's just kind of, and I know you're like that too, dude. I, I know, mm-hmm. I know we're not rigid people and you're not pulling out your little calendar going, okay, Mark, on August 20 or October 22nd at 10 o'clock and we played golf. I'm like, dude, I, you'd go, like, I don't know, dude. I might be at the beat. I don't know. So I, I wouldn't do it to you. So, um, so freedom drives me, but I had to realize that bigger doesn't mean more. Okay, number one checkbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 also had to learn perfection is overrated because I'm a perfectionist and I put a lot of internal pressure on most entrepreneurs do, but like certain people like myself and my personality put a tremendous amount of per, uh, pressure on myself to, to to basically be perfect, which of course it's a is a myth and you'll never be perfect and nobody and if you're gonna grow a business, you have to understand we're not gonna do it exactly this as you, but systems kind of help create the structure to get you a very similar outcome as good. And then from there is he just really put the emphasis and pressure on hiring the right people mm-hmm. for, so for people in, in, in leadership positions who are managing a team, but people, you should spend 70 to 80% of your time looking for talent. Right. And most of the time as Good talent is not on the market. Good talent already has a job. Good talent, you just never know which when you're going to need something or you know what what an opening is going to come up on your team. Or sometimes you just hire the person just because they're got the right DNA and you'll figure out where they fit in your organization. But the quote would be is the highest return on your investment, on any investment you'll ever make in your life will be on a person. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to make an investment in the next, you know, six to 12 months in your company, spend a lot of time looking for Michael Jordan long before he becomes Michael Jordan. And I mean, really like, like Michael Jordan is expensive, right? But if you can find Michael Jordan when he's barely coming out of college, I mean, in a two years out and kind of has barely a little track record, but you have the right DNA, has the right behaviors, has the right ambition. built a data room on the back end so you have a you have the property website and then for people that were interested or came back for a second showing they got you know a a password a password protected access to the data room and then it had you know all of the due diligence so conservation um you know any conservation information any of the utility history service providers all of that kind of stuff so when it came right down to it we had all of that in there so that the two buyers that ended up being in competition could have all of their due diligence done in advance of having kind of that final accepted offer it caused you know the um the buyer that ended up winning 
did it took removed contingencies in seven days because it had they had so much information it was so thorough and um and that was just i mean it gave everybody just a big peace of mind set a record big that's time a relief. great nugget a i've never had a data room for big listings i've never sold a 65 million dollar listing i'll start <laughs> off by saying that but having a data room with plans you know utility information um you know and everything in between i think is a great thing to have i got a question so Julie, for a lot of our listeners, you know, some are at a level of selling over 100 million. Some are at a level of selling 3 million and 5 million. Some are newer agents. What was your turning point as being a good agent, right? And saying, okay, I want to be a great agent. I want to be the number one agent in my region. You know, what what was that turning point? Where were you uh, when that happened? And how did your career kind of go from starting to selling three hundred and you know twenty seven million dollars worth of real estate? Because you just didn't start one year going from one hundred million to two million to your three twenty seven year, right? There, there, there was a progression there, and I'd love to know that progression for our listeners. And what was that turning point where you said, "Okay, I'm going to be a hundred million dollar agent"? And, and and when did that happen? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting because it was. Um, I don't really remember when we actually went to nine figures. I had, I mean, I am somebody that is, has always focused on the top line and has always wanted to make sure that every year we're doing more and more and we're kind of touting our, you know, our sales and our success and, and, you know, that we're setting records and we're kind of pushing the envelope. My husband is very much the one that is kind of the bottom line and, and really, you know, more driven towards um, making sure that the business is sustainable. <laughs> and so it's, it, but I think, you know, nobody that is, nobody that is kind of looking to be that elite agent ever sets out to be average. I just don't believe we have that in us, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things where I looked around and said, okay, like let's identify what we can do in the marketplace to really set ourselves apart. And, you know, as you look at the generational kind of transitions that happen in real estate, a lot of times, so many, you know, kind of more established brokers are, you know, they're taking vacations or they're, you know, they're going to their other home in, an, in a retirement destination or whatever. But like, that was the first thing that we did was we started to make presentations to actually to some other, you know, internally to other members of the real estate community and saying, hey, listen, just co-list with us. We'll take 40%, you take 60, we'll do everything while you got while you're in Arizona or Florida or wherever you're spending your winters. But um, but I want my name on the sign with you and I want people to see my name wherever it is. And so, you know, I think being great collaborators has always been kind of that's helped us to just grow our business and and kind of amplify our voice. And then of course, being involved in, you know, I'm a joiner, my husband is a joiner, we're involved in every nonprofit you could possibly imagine. I mean, I was the social for my sorority for two years. So you, you know, you kind of think about like, I love to entertain. And, and I think all of those things just added up to, um, to, you know, incredible success and being able to monetize it far beyond where we ever thought we were going to be able to. Dad, you were way ahead of the game. Even when you named your new company back in 1999 or 2000, you named it at the at symbol, right? This is during the dot-com boom and nobody knew what at was, right. right? But but they decided to use at everywhere. And I just thought that genius, you're just two steps ahead of everybody yeah. that way. 
which is really cool. That was lucky, I think. Uh, <laughs> now, don't you remember in 1999, we were all day traders. You know, everybody yeah. was day trading tech stocks. Right. We thought we were geniuses. We were making a fortune. And so I thought, and we had, and, and for us, when we were starting this company, we didn't have a budget because we knew the brokerage we were working with was not going to pay us. It was just that kind of guy he was. And so I wanted to come up with a mnemonic device. I always remembered things through mnemonic devices. My wife is Bo Derek Michael Jordan, 1023. That's her birthday. And so I thought, okay, what type of mnemonic device can we come up with? And with the ad sign, I was like, I just gotten an email address. It's 1999. I'm like, if they can think about us every time they hit this number two on their keyboard, that's going to think in their brain, ah, they're going to think of Thad when they hit number two. And so I said, okay, let's use the at sign. And then we just figured out kind of what first it was at home. We couldn't trademark it. Um, and so it became at properties, which ended up being pretty good. But to remind you guys back then, remember when you needed a phone number, you called directory assistance 411. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people called 411 and said, may I have the phone number for at properties? Nobody. Get the phone number because they, they'd say the ampersand. That would be the and sign. Then they would say the sign above the number two. Well, we can't look for a phone number that way. So it was, it, was, it, looked, it seems great now, but back then it did have some challenges. They thought we were a, a uh, online company, not a traditional brokerage. So it, it's cool now, but it, it didn't come without some warts. As a marketing guy, Thad, you know, one of the things that I appreciate a lot is obviously your your view of, I think, just, you know, the disruption you've been able to do with at, right? And and uh, and thinking, always thinking ahead to what is next. And But one of the other pieces that uh, I kind of, you know, read a lot around was was the importance of this love campaign for you guys and, and bringing the heart to... Uh, you know, an ecosystem where relationships are everything. Talk a little bit about what that was for you um, and and kind of um, what the campaign did in terms of where you are now. Yeah, it, it's funny because it goes back a long time. So my dad and I, my dad was my best friend. He was also a psychologist. And anytime I, you know, for him, it was all about love. There was nothing more powerful than love. And we were in a meeting and I said, I really want to come up with a campaign, something universal that everybody will love, something simple. It's almost like a dot on the paper that you're not distracted by a lot of things, but people have got to love it. And I was like, great. So I wrote love on the board. And then I, I, I knew of an artist that was very popular in Chicago, Matthew Hoff, Hoffman. He came up with a saying that life is beautiful. You are beautiful. Uh, you know, all sorts of things. And you see him all over Chicago. And so I paid him to paint the word love on a garage door in, in Bucktown, kind of a cool, hip neighborhood. And it started becoming a really trending as a hotspot for people to get a photo in front of, right? So you see love all over social media. We put in a billboards, T-shirts, hoodies. We got magnets on the back of cards. Luckily, I bought that font and word from him and trademarked it. And it ended up being probably the best campaign that we've ever done. It's never ended. It's still alive. You see it thousands of times if you're aware in Chicago throughout the day, not the other day, but it's on thousands of cars. It's everywhere. And it's the best thing we've ever done because it brought to the community something that was something that everybody longs for, which is love. And it tied the company at properties at is not even on the word love. But everybody knows when they see that word love and that font that that's at properties. 
And so it accomplished more from a marketing perspective than all of our other campaigns combined. And it's possible to quantify how much business we've gotten from like that. You know, it's not like you're measuring clicks or eyeballs online. But I'll have to say that I'll give that credit for so much of our growth, so much of our culture, our credibility, the internal workings of at, which makes it really sticky. And it's our commitment to that campaign of love and love altruistically as a culture, which I think keeps a lot of people here and has allowed us to grow in the face of lots of challenges. So when talking to people that sell as much real estate as you, right? you know, there's, there's two sides of the day, right? There's the urgency side of the day, and that is returning emails, returning text, returning phone calls. And then, then there's the important side of the day where a lot of our people that have been on this show have been blocking off to figure out the future and to time block to say, okay, here's how I'm going to um, be better next year and change the system, right. right? Very, very important to separate the two. Do you separate the two at all or do you just roll like you wake up and you just go for it and just kind of I just roll. I'm not I mean, I'm trying. I'm I'm getting there. I need to go there. I'm not there yet. But okay. I, I mean, I do plan like, you know, I'm planning my marketing for, you know, for fourth quarter, which is, you know, for the season, I call it. Um, I used to just just be throwing money, just spend, 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 spend. And I'll try this. I'll try that. I'll try that. Now I kind of get it. Now I kind of understand and I can plan. I mean, and I think it's very, very important. I mean, to have an end goal and to set goals. I like that. And I, and I, and I now have the support staff to where I can stop and think about the future. And, and am I going to grow a team? Am I getting, and I'm, and I am, I do have a couple, you know, Peter's now doing his thing. And then I've got another, I have brokers come in from, you know, I, I just added a girl from compass from New York, um, but these are folks that know what they're doing. So they will just come take their New York business, all their clients that are moving here. And, and, um, so I, I do need to do that. I haven't, but I, you know, Elizabeth, it's a great thing to do. I mean, in, in, in my last several years of doing this, I've decided, okay, I'm growing my business in Atlanta. God, it's going great. But what else can I be doing to grow? And in that thought process, I said, well, I'm going to start up team Bono, which is my team mm-hmm. of nine people. Let's start working on new developments, right? So we work to get a Coulter develop uh, building in Atlanta. Coulter's out of West Palm, as you know. Uh-huh. And um, we took over the exclusive marketing of a 22-story building with 43 units. So that was a great kind of add-on that I kind of said, okay, I want to add on that. And then another year came by and I said, okay, I'm going to add a whole other location. That location's five hours away from Atlanta. That's on the coast of Georgia, Sea Island, Georgia. And the thought behind that was, golly, all of my clients, right, that are going to have a second home are probably going to be looking in the St. Simon's Sea Island area. Might as well try to open up something there to still work and give the same support and quality that we do in Atlanta to those same clients that already know us to go buy something at Sea Island. And Sea Mm -hmm. Island has a much higher price point than Atlanta does. I mean, I I closed over $30 in July in St. Silence. And guys, that was an afterthought of just kind of starting and saying, okay, how can I continue to grow Mm -hmm. as a team, as a person? Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing down on 30A in Florida. Got a Florida brokerage license, got a great partner down there, Jimbo, on 30A. And we're selling a lot of property down there, right? And all that was developed in this time block where I've got to say, how am I going to keep doing what I'm doing? and keep growing, right? So 
you're kicking ass, right? You're just doing great. You're six years in. My advice is just to kind of maybe yeah, time block and yeah. do some important side yeah. to figure out where else you want to go. Do you want to you know, have yeah. a team in Miami? Do you want to go up to Jupiter? Like, you know, how can all that work? And that also goes back to expanding your team a little bit. Well, so so 95% of listeners right now, Elizabeth, would do anything to be in your position, right? And I want to hear, I want to ask one last question from you. What's the one thing for those listeners that want to be the Elizabeth in their market? What's the one thing? that you can suggest to them doing differently or what you've done differently? What's that one tactic that you feel like they can benefit from to be that Elizabeth in their, in their market? Get listings. My mm. objective was to get listings. Mm. So Great I, advice. when I started, you know, I would, I would time block and sit down and I call it dialing for dollars. Mm. You know, I would search our property appraiser, see who was, should, you know, be selling and I would find their phone number and call them. So simple. Yet that's the backbone guys. This is really, really important, right? Really important. That's the backbone of our business agents. Mm -hmm. It's control the inventory, get the Mm -hmm. listings, right? If you've got the listings, you already have the buyers, right? You can get a six percenter, right? Or whatever's comparable in your marketplace get the bonus, but also by having that listing, you get other listings. That's the best billboard for you, right? That's the thing, guys. So the big takeaway, get the listings, guys. Elizabeth, you've been absolutely awesome. This has been one heck of a show, Chris. Awesome, so good. Elizabeth, thank you for your time. This has been- Thank you, guys. You are fantastic. I'm Bono Ansley signing off. This is Brokering Billions, baby.